Raise the flag. Light the cauldron. We, we declare, declare the game's Odyssey open. Welcome to the Games Odyssey podcast, your home for stories of glory from the Olympics and Paralympics. I'm Jonathan Jordan. And I'm Sarah Patton. We both love the Olympic and Paralympic Games, and we love history. But most of all, we love Olympic and Paralympic history. From the epic and inspirational moments we all love, to the, well, the more bizarre and controversial moments, we're fascinated by it all. Which is why we are on a journey through all of the Olympic and Paralympic Games, from the ancient Olympics held at Olympia, all the way to now. Okay, so I know that at the end of our last episode, we said we were headed to Germany, but that turns out to be a little bit of a a lie, okay? Uh, We're going a different direction in this episode. We decided, you know what? We have not done a wild card episode in a while, and so before we get into the dark cloud of the (laughs) Olympic Games in 1936... You know what? We thought everyone could use a little bit of happiness. And what's happier than a mascot? How about an Olympic and Paralympic (laughs) mascot? Well, I know that's what you think. Um, (laughs) Again, we've discussed this before, but I'm not quite as big a fan of the mascots for the Olympic and Paralympic Games as you are. So, Sarah, what do you love so much about the mascots? So some of them, as we will discuss, carry historical significance with them. Mm -hmm. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I love anything that is a nod to history, something that makes people aware of history. And so I think as we go through this list, you or our listeners might be surprised by some of the stuff that we learned together about what the mascots have represented with the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Um, But that being said, I just think they're so cute. They're so fun. (laughs) And and I have no problem admitting that and owning it. But, um, you know, in recent memory, we know that Bing Dwin Dwin, who we'll talk about, he went viral. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's a fun little component of the Olympics and the Paralympics. And, you know, the primary reason to watch is because we love the movement. But the mascots are just a really fun, happy bonus. Fair enough. That totally makes sense. So most of this episode, we are going to be talking about specifically Sarah's top 10 mascots. Okay, (laughs) so we recognize that it may not be everyone's top 10 mascots. Um, I don't even have a top anything mascot. So that's why this is Sarah's list that we're talking (laughs) through today. Um, and she'll kind of give her reasons for for why they're on this list. And and maybe it will encourage you to go find out your own uh, favorite mascots from Olympic history. But on that note, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the background and history of the mascots before we get into the list. OK, all right, let's do it. So we did discuss in our last episode about Smokey, the Scottish Terrier. And that's really what kind of gave me this idea that, hey, maybe we should push pause before (laughs) 1936 and talk about the mascots. So Smokey the Scottish Terrier being the, uh, you know, quote unquote, first Olympic mascot for the Summer Games in Los Angeles, 1932. 
However, it wouldn't be until the 1972 Munich Summer Games that Olympic mascots would become an official part of the Olympic tradition. And then the Paralympics also started getting their own individual mascots starting in 1980. Uh, So I read this on Olympics.com because I was curious about, besides being cute, what is the purpose (laughs) of a mascot? Because not all of them are cute. Let's be real here. I mean, Uh, some of them are cute (laughs) in a very weird and bizarre way. But but yes, yes, they do have a purpose. (laughs) So so here's what Olympics.com had to say. It said, quote, They're tasked with giving concrete form to the Olympic spirit, spreading the values highlighted at each edition of the Games, promoting the history, there you go, Sarah, and culture of the host city, and giving the event a festive atmosphere. Which I guess is just a nice, you know, way of saying it's also a good source of merchandise income, but maybe that's just the snarky side of me. No, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong on that. Well, and the other thing is like mascots in general are not this crazy idea that is only for the Olympics. Like I'm thinking about Smokey being a real dog. And I think Mm -hmm. about like Reveille for Texas A&M university. They use a real collie to be their mascot. And or you think about Georgia and Uga and Bevo at Texas. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're totally in the middle of college football season right now. So they're fresh on my right. mind. But it is kind of, you know, it, it's cool to look at how other sports teams have mascots that either are real live animals or just someone that dresses up. Yeah. Um, like my husband went to Kansas. A Jayhawk is not a real bird. But I thought you were going to say <laughs> that he was a mascot at some point. No. And I was like... <laughs> I was going to say, please let us see those pictures. But. Oh, that would be fun. No, I'm sorry to say he was not a Jayhawk. Okay. But, but it's, you know, it's it's something that at least here in the United States, we're used to a mascot being a huge deal associated with sports teams. So sure. I, I, wonder, yeah. I wonder if it's like that around the world. People should let uh, us know. I mean, maybe, you know, you know, the Spanish word for pet is mascota. Hmm. So... Maybe maybe it is that way around the rest of the world. I mean, my my pet is like our family mascot, so. Yeah, exactly. So back to Smokey for a second. Yes, he's technically the first Olympic mascot, but it's, it's semi-unofficial. And we'll kind of get into that here in a little bit. Uh, since you, you know, spoiler alert, you did include him on the list. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but the real Olympic mascot movement, as we kind of recognize it today, began with another semi-unofficial mascot named Shoes for the Grenoble 1968 Winter Games. He was created as part of the marketing campaign behind those games, and he was <laughs> designed by artist Aline Lafargue. Uh, And Shoes is supposed to look like a little man on skis in a zigzag position, kind of like crouching while going, you know, downhill uh, and has the Olympic rings imprinted on his head slash helmet. It's kind of hard to tell the difference between the two. And I'll try to keep this family friendly here. But if you've never seen a picture of Shoes, well, I'll just say this. He looks a little bit like a picture you would find in a book you'd use to explain the birds and bees to your kid. 
and you can go look him up later on to see what I'm talking about. But he's interesting, is all I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the reason he's considered unofficial as well is because he was created by an ad agency and not under the direction of the Olympic Organizing Committee. Okay, but it did at least get the IOC thinking, hey, this might not be such a bad idea. And again, not to be too snarky or capitalistic, but again, kind of think about the merch potential (laughs) involved in that. And I I think adding a new way to get people excited about the games, Um, you know, kids love mascots. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's part of it too, is how do we, you know, get uh, children to pay attention to these sports as well and not just the adults. So, yeah, I was going to say, I really appreciate the, how it involves children. Um, Right. And a lot of times they are very kid friendly. I mean, maybe, maybe not just, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe not on purpose. Maybe not on purpose. I don't think, uh, again, (laughs) anyone who goes and looks up the, the picture, they'll, they'll get it when they see it. But yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of the background on how this whole mascot movement began for the Olympics. And we will go ahead and take a little bit of a break. Then when we come back, we're going to, Sarah, we're going to dive into your list starting at number 10 and you'll kind of walk us through it. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Recently, my son asked me, dad, can we go to the Olympics in Paris? And I said, well, I guess that's one more thing I need to save up for. And because I've always been lousy at saving money, I use Acorns, a savings and investment app that has helped me save money without thinking about it. Every time I swipe my debit card, it rounds up to the next dollar and invests the change for me. And every week, it automatically drafts a set amount for my bank, so I don't forget. Plus, I get bonus earnings just by shopping online at places like Nike and Shop Disney. It's trusted by me and 7 million others, including Olympic gold medalist Kevin Durant. Click the link in our show notes and sign up today, because no matter what your savings goal is, Acorns can help you grow. Sarah, take it away. Who are we talking about first? Okay, so first we're going to have a tie because I could not choose. I couldn't take either of these off my list. And by either, I mean, kind of like you've already talked about with um, the Olympic and Paralympic mascots. Some of the mascots that are on my list come in a pair, one Olympic and Paralympic, and then others are just individual. So here we actually have technically three people, but I could not, or three (laughs) mascots, not people. They can be people to me. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But uh, as we've already talked about, we love Smokey, the OG. I just, I'll never get over the fact that he was a real dog just hanging out in the Olympic Village. Yeah. I think that that's adorable. And then I also had to keep Bing Dwin Dwin and Shuey Ron Ron on my list. And um, I admit, I have succumbed to recency bias um, because these were the mascots of the 2022 Beijing Olympic and Paralympic Games. And I know that we've recorded an episode talking about some of our Olympic and Paralympic highlights and whatnot. And um, it's no secret that 
those were some very interesting Olympic and Paralympic games with everything going on in the world. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I will say mission accomplished for the mascots to be kind of a Olympic spirit, bright light. Bing Duen Duen was hilarious. Yeah. People were waiting in line for hours and hours and hours to get Bing Duen Duen <laughs> toys and stuffed animals. And he was just so cute, but it, if you look up videos and I'll see if I can go back and find maybe some stuff to post on Instagram that the Olympic committee had posted, but the antics that this mascot would get into, I think he like, would get stuck in a door. Um, he would <laughs> ice skate and fall, but he was just a big panda and yeah, <laughs> like it was just so cute. And then Shui Ron Ron was the Paralympic mascot for Beijing 2022. And, and Shui Ron Ron stood for the lantern child, uh, or it translates mm-hmm. to the lantern child. And he was also precious in his own little way. Um, so I feel like they brought a lot of comic relief um, right. <laughs> to some games that kind of had a heavy cloud. So yeah, I, I had to leave them on the list, but I also recognize that we just had them, that they were viral on social media. So I don't yeah. know, in 20 years, that they may not be on my list. Well, yeah, because there will be a lot of new mascots to come along that you'll want to throw on the <laughs> list. But uh, but yeah, let, let, let's spend a few minutes just kind of talking about all three of those individually for a second. I mean, Smokey, we've talked a little bit about already. And as you mentioned, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a couple of different stories about how he became the mascot for 1932. And one of those is that he just wandered into the Olympic Village and became a hit with the workers there. Um, The other is that he was actually born in the Olympic Village before the games had started. Either way, he was in the Olympic Village hanging out there. Um, So that seems to be his backstory. And and yeah, he was a hit during the games, apparently just hanging out at the stadium in his little his little uh, Olympic mascot vest <laughs> that they made for him. I know. Uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, his story kind of had a sad end because two years yeah. after the games, he was struck by a hit and run driver and died that way, which is uh, it's just terrible. And kind of like you mentioned to this day, he's still the only Olympic mascot that was an actual living creature thing, whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want to say. I I think I possess a lot of bitterness against the people mm-hmm. who made him the mascot because after the games, he should have been in like a very special like castle. He deserved his own room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like a doghouse castle. Okay. I'm just saying yeah. he should have been protected at nearly all cost. And so the fact that he got hit by a car, I mean, it's sad for any pet, but especially right. for Smokey. Like he, yeah. cause I, yeah, he just, someone needed to be protecting him more. I will die on that hill. And I know some yeah. people are probably rolling their eyes at me right now. That's okay. I no, it, it's okay. I, <laughs> Look, I, I'm with you. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not a huge fan of the mascots, but I'm a huge fan of dogs. So uh-huh. uh, so it makes me, it made me sad when I read this about him. Uh, when I did the research, I was like, oh, man, that's not the ending I wanted for the, for this cute little up. But uh, but yeah, so a little bit of a sad story there. But that's, again, a little bit more about him. Um, so Bing Dwen Dwen, I became a Bing Dwen Dwen fan. Now, How part could of that's you not? I lo- well, Giant pandas are actually my favorite animal of all time. So again, a little bit of a bias there. uh, And I recognize that. So 
Let's talk about his name a little bit. In Mandarin, Bing can have several different meanings, but the most common seems to be the word ice. Uh, but it can also signify purity and strength. Uh, Dwen Dwen, on the other hand, means robust and lively, but it's also a term that can be used to represent children. So there we go. Kind of have this, uh, this crossover to the world of children and recognizing the next generation. And if you know anything about Bing Dwen Dwen and mm -hmm. the mascots that we saw doing their shenanigans, they lived yeah. up to robust and love and lively. Like they, it, they embraced it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Bing Dwen Dwen was designed by Cao Zhue, which I hope I said that correctly because I did not look up the pronunciation, but I did my best. Uh, or maybe Shui. It should be no huge surprise that they chose a giant panda for this mascot, given the fact that giant pandas are the national animal of China. And he was designed wearing a full body shell made out of ice, which was meant to resemble an astronaut suit, which I didn't completely pick up on, though it made sense once I read that. And this was meant to be a tribute to embracing new technologies for a future with infinite possibilities. And the ice shell was also meant to help him skate, snowboard, and ski alongside the Olympic athletes. But as you mentioned, Sarah, apparently not to stay up on his two feet uh, since he was constantly falling down during the game. So... There was a limit yeah. to what that ice shell could do for him. <laughs> um, and then part of the design also is he had a heart imprinted on his left palm to symbolize the Chinese people's hospitality for athletes and spectators. And then according to Olympics.com, the design for being Dwin Dwin was chosen from over 5,800 submissions from China and 35 countries around the world as part of a global competition arranged by the Beijing 2022 Organizing Committee, which that's going to be a theme here, a lot of competitions involved mm -hmm. in picking these mascots. And then let's talk for a second, too, about Shui Ron Ron, as you mentioned, Lantern Child. Uh, so as such, uh, and again, I'm quoting a lot from Olympics.com in this episode because they have a whole section <laughs> dedicated to the mascots and everything. But Shui Ron Ron wears a suit decked out in red and gold, reminiscent of the famous Chinese lantern. Its name symbolizes warmth, friendship, courage, perseverance. The lantern design also holds significance as a reference to the Chinese New Year, of course, when lanterns are traditionally hung and carried. Um, so, I mean, this is an ancient tradition, obviously, for the Chinese people. So it made sense that they would want to pay homage to that, especially since the games were coinciding uh, really close with Chinese New Year. So it was a very timely choice uh, for Shui Ron Ron's design. And then I think, you know, something else that I wanted to kind of point out about Shui uh, is that word specifically Shui has the same pronunciation as the Chinese character for snow. So we had Bing for ice. We had Shui for snow. And then uh, the first Ron in Ron Ron, <laughs> uh, it means to include or to tolerate, while the second Ron uh, refers to the term to fuse, to melt and warm. So Shui Ron Ron's name is meant to express the wish that there could be more inclusion 
for people with various impairments or disabilities and for more dialogue and understanding between cultures of the world. So I can appreciate the thought that went into the character's design and even the names of these characters. Yeah. Like the only thing is that I wish that Shui Ron Ron got as much recognition as being Dwindwin, but that's because mm-hmm. we always want the Paralympics to get as much recognition as the Olympics. Right. So Shui Ron Ron, he was, I mean, it was adorable. And I love the representation. I love the nod to Chinese history and such, but it would have been cool if there were like two versions of being Dwindwin since he was such right. a hit. But I don't know. They they probably couldn't even foresee that he would be as famous as he was. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm with you. I do sometimes wish that the games just had completely shared mascots instead Mm -hmm. of separate. And I know that by the time that this episode comes out, France may have announced the mascot for 2024 and so i'll be interested to see what that looks like uh, because Mm -hmm. you know for 2024 this is the first time that the games have the same logo that's something that you know paris 2024 has uh kind of caught everyone's attention with is hey we're using the same exact logo for both the Olympics and the Paralympics. So I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see a similar Mm -hmm. thought go into the mascots there. It'll be out probably (laughs) by the time this episode airs, but uh, I'm interested. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's keep moving along. So uh, Sarah, who is up next? Okay, so up next we have... I call them a gang. I don't know. That might be inappropriate to say. Maybe a squad. Yeah, a squad. squad. (laughs) Let's go with squad. You're right. (laughs) Squad is... Thank you. Thank you. Words are hard. So Vancouver 2010. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll have to make sure. I know sometimes I'm not great about posting all the pictures, but I got to make sure to post all these mascots because this little squad is adorable. Uh, which, how many times will I say adorable in this episode? Probably a lot. So Vancouver 2010, you have Quachi, Miga, Muckmuck, and Sumi. And I'm not going to lie, I get them confused on their names, but how can you... So Quachi, I know for sure, was the Sasquatch. Like, how can yeah. you not love having a Sasquatch as one of your mascots? <laughs> and if that doesn't scream North America and especially Canada, <laughs> I don't know what does. And yeah. he's a friendly Sasquatch. Sure. Um, like, he's he's cute. And then, um, okay, I just made sure I had my order here. So Miga is a sea bear. Right. And then Sumi is the Thunderbird. So Quachi and Miga were for the Olympics. And then yeah. uh, Sumi, the Thunderbird... And Mugmug the Marmot were their sidekicks. Um, so I'm making sure. Yeah, Sumi was yeah. the official Paralympic mascot. It's it's weird to have four of them. It gets kind of confusing in my head. Yeah, but, like Mugmug was never an official mascot, just kind of a character that they designed <laughs> to hang around Quachi and Miga. Like, I don't quite get... So it's like the mascots have their own mascot hanging around yeah. with them. And Muckmuck's not really official, but it's a little confusing, but kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So whenever I was thinking my list, I remembered off the top of my head, the Sasquatch. And I was like, I've got to make sure to include the Sasquatch because right. I remember loving him. Let's see. So I was in college at the time. 
So I wasn't a kid, but I bet kids really enjoyed these mascots. But there's some cute little characters, and I know that you have more research on them. So if you want to talk about it, go for it. Yeah, we'll talk about Quachi and Miga first, since they were the official mascots for the Olympics. And uh, as you point out, they're both mythical creatures, and they're based on tales from Canada's First Nations. Well, which which is really uh, cool. It is really cool to to pay homage to those people groups and make sure that that's included in the in the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, now whether Sasquatch is actually mythical, you know, there's a part of me that says no, that's definitely a real creature. Oh, I've like seen there, him. Like Just there's kidding. definitely one out there, but again, <laughs> it comes from First Nations mythology. And what I think is kind of funny is that even though he is already completely covered in fur, he also wears boots and earmuffs. But, yeah. you know, to be fair, it does get really cold in Canada. So <laughs> a little extra covering doesn't hurt. And then, yeah, Miga, as you said, was a sea bear. And so I, I looked this up a little bit. So Miga is supposed to be part killer whale and then part, uh, I hope I say this correctly, Kermoda bear, uh, and is also known as a spirit bear, which if you're just r- reading that, that description, it sounds really terrifying, but Miga's really cute. So if mm-hmm. you look up the picture. Um, yeah, like the and and it makes sense the way that you describe it. It makes sense when you yeah. look up a picture of Mika because there's like a fin on the head and right, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> good old cute. sea bear who doesn't want one of those hanging around the house. So, um, so yeah, a hundred and seventy-seven illustration agencies and professionals responded to the organizing committee's design campaign. Uh, But eventually it was the Vancouver and L.A.-based company Mayomi Design that ended up winning. Uh, So as you mentioned, then they have their little friend, Muck Muck, uh, who also turned out to be (laughs) very popular. And and really it kind of seems like Muck Muck was created more to draw attention to uh, to this real animal, this threatened species of marmot that only lives on an island in Vancouver. So, uh, so that's why it's kind of you know thrown in there. Not really an official mascot, but just trying to raise some environmental awareness that hey, we need to protect the animals that we do have so they don't become like the Sasquatch or like the sea bear, right? <laughs> and just be a legendary creature. And then I thought this was funny, but muck-muck comes from the Chinook word, muck which means food. And then, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Sumi as well for the Paralympic Games. So just like Kwachi and Miga, Sumi's inspired also by stories from First Nations people groups and is an animal spirit who lives in the mountains of British Columbia. Um, the name comes from the Salish word Sumesh, which means guardian spirit. And if you've never seen a picture of Sumi, to me, Sumi kind of looks like a fox with wings wearing a toboggan. Do you think that's a fair description? Yeah, I think that's a really good description. It's better than what I would have come up with. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I know I've already touched on this, but I... Mm-hmm when we talk about, I really love any mascot that has a nod to history and the culture. Um, I do love that it's first nations representation because, um, we know it's no secret that in North America, the United States and Canada, both, um, I think I can be inclusive of both of us that Mm -hmm. we, 
as countries have not always done a good job of um, being inclusive of Native Americans, First Nations, Indigenous people. So um, I think it's great that their stories were included. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And while we're on that historical note, uh, who's next on your list? Well, we're going to London 2012, and we have Winlock and Mandeville. And these names, so whenever I was writing these out, I was like, oh, yeah, we know these names. And if you are familiar with Paralympic history, then Mandeville sounds very familiar. And I'll let you explain why here in just a second. Sure. And then Winlock, um, and I know that you're going to talk about this as well. Winlock is not a... um, strange name to us. Uh, nope. If if you've listened to some of our earlier episodes of this podcast, then it may sound familiar. And I will let you share the story why. Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is even though I watched a lot of these games, I really do not remember these mascots. And so I had to look up the pictures of them and they kind of make me think of video game characters, the way that they they look. Their style is very, very interesting. Yeah, they're not in my opinion, they're not the cutest mascots. They're not um, the cutest. It's their names alone that get me right. That they, they get them on the list. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's their names, their history. Uh, but it made a little bit more sense once I read kind of the backstories on them. So, so yeah. So let's talk about Winlock for a second. So his backstory, if it is a his, I know maybe I'm not using the correct pronoun but there you go um so the backstory according to children's writer michael morpurgo is that winlock represents a drop of steel used in the construction of the olympic stadium i was like oh okay so this is the idea is you have someone who's like you know physically a part of the surroundings and represents the stadium that's been built so i was like okay i i guess i can get behind that now for the history piece of it where the name winlock comes from if you've listened to our episode about the revival of the olympic games and you might remember the town of much winlock so this is a town that they still to this day hold their own local regional olympic games and Baron de Coubertin visited that town in 1890 to observe their games. And a lot of the things that they did there did help inspire some of his ideas for the modern Olympic movement. So because of that being in Britain, and they're very proud of the influence there that they had on the modern Olympic movement, it made sense for them to name this mascot Winlock in honor of the much Winlock Olympic Games. And then a similar story with uh, Mandeville, who was the mascot for the 2012 Paralympic Games. The backstory is also steel related. Um, And so what I read is that as it was formed from the last steel beam of the Olympic Stadium and also the yellow lights on its forehead um, were meant to be reminiscent of a London taxi. So again, kind of paying some homage there to uh, London and to the stadium itself. And of course, Mandeville is actually named in honor of Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Buckinghamshire, which was the birthplace of the Stoke Mandeville Games, which we will be discussing in the future. But the Stoke Mandeville Games eventually evolved into what we know as the Paralympic Games. So 
which again, very strong British roots there with it starting out there. So that's a, again, a point of pride for the British people. And uh, I liked this about Mandeville's designs, but Mandeville has three points on the helmet, which are meant to represent the three Agitos of the Paralympic logo. And I thought that was cool. That is really cool. I didn't realize that until we were preparing for this. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I would have picked up on it just looking at the picture. It was once I started reading more about the design. It was like, oh, like, again, there's some intentionality here to not mm-hmm. just design a character that they think looks cool, but how can we communicate something about the history and our, our love for this movement, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, let's let's keep moving along. Uh, who or what... <laughs> is next on the list well um if you've made it this far you know i love dogs so it's no surprise that coming in next we have waldy mm-hmm. and he was a dachshund that was a mascot for the munich 1972 games which it kind of feels weird to get all giddy and cutesy about munich because yeah, yeah. we'll get there eventually but um but i thought the logo was actually really cool and so 1972 i don't know art graphic design I'm not going to pretend to but when you see this mascot it seems very modern to me and kind of Mm -hmm. minimalistic and just very different than some of the other mascots um and he's a cute dachshund and something that I was reading actually that I don't know if you've read this but um Mm -hmm. he the stripes that are on him are meant to be representative of the um olympic rings the colors But they took out the black and the red because they wanted to make sure it was clear that there were no ties to the national, um, making sure it was at the National Socialist Party. Um, The Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So so I think it's interesting, especially as we gear up for 1936, that they were being very, very cautious to make sure that nothing whatsoever was going to possibly be tied to the Nazis. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then I know you're, I know that you made a note of this as well, but I think every marathon route should be designed (laughs) in the shape of a mascot because the marathon in 1972 was ran in the shape of Waldy, the adorable dachshund. So (laughs) yeah, I, when I read that, I just thought to myself, like how, how long did it take them looking at a map to figure out (laughs) exactly how they could get it in the shape of Waldy for the exact distance and in places where it wouldn't be completely inconvenient to close down streets and and things like that. Like the fact that they went out of their way to make the marathon route the same shape as Waldy is just beyond. It's extra. And this is before this is before Strava was a thing so yeah yeah and, and to kind of add on to that uh so you know waldy was the first official mascot even though again we had a couple before waldy uh this was the first one where the olympic com- organizing committee said hey let's let's make this a real deal let's make it a part of the movement and apparently uh he was created during a christmas party uh, on December 15th, 1969, <laughs> that the organizing committee was holding. Uh, so attendees were given sheets of paper, crayons, and modeling clay to work out their ideas that they wanted to propose. 
And I don't know that I've never gone to a Christmas party and been given like, hey, we're going to design an Olympic mascot at today's Christmas party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Waldy was designed uh, and co-created by Elena uh, Winsherman and Olt Iker. And something interesting about Olt is he also helped design the logo for the Munich 1972 games. And he also helped design the pictograms for the sports. So uh, very involved he all, in. He was all right at this. He, he, he did was okay. all right at it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very involved in the graphic design community, obviously. Um, and Sarah, you'll like this if you uh, didn't read it already. But Waldy had a real life alter ego, a dog named Cherie von Birkenhoff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, we love it. We yeah. love this. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's Waldy for you. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, who do we have up next? OK, again, I'm being fully aware that this is a recency thing, but we know that we love Japan. We love Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that we're going to be biased to that anyway. But um, I have the Tokyo 2020 mascots for the Olympic and Paralympic Games, which is Maratawa and Someiti. So hopefully I said that close enough. I was actually... I, I know this is so weird. I can read the Japanese alphabet. So I was trying to make sure to pronounce it through the Japanese alphabet way. So forgive me, <laughs> any Japanese listeners. I know I'm slacking. But anyway, um, I love these mascots. And the thing is, they kind of are reminiscent of anime characters. And I'm not oh, yeah. into anime. I'm not into anime. Like, so yeah. that's not usually something that I would think was cool. Um, but I feel like they look really cool. They look really slick. And one of my favorite things is that a bunch of elementary students got to choose the mascots. Yeah. So again, like I love anything that involves the community with the Olympic and Paralympic movement. So as fun as a Christmas party is to choose or to design a mascot, <laughs> I love that children got to have a say in this, um, knowing that mascots are a way to draw interest from children into the Olympics and Paralympics. Yeah, they these mascots are definitely a healthy blend of both anime and what's known as the kawaii culture in Japan, which uh, kawaii, uh, for anyone out there unfamiliar with the term, it just means cute. Um, mm -hmm. And if you ever go to Japan, kawaii. you'll understand like everything has to be cute. Yes. <laughs> there. So, yes. Uh, so, yeah, they're a healthy blend of both of those things. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of quickly talk about Maritoa first. Uh, so, again, there was a contest involved in Maritoa's design, and uh, the contest received 2,042 drawings that were submitted by residents of Japan. The ultimate design was by Ryo Taniguchi, and uh, Maritoa is a robot. And the name combines the words Mirai, which means future, and Toa, which means eternity. And I think that's really cool. And according to Olympics.com, this name was chosen to promote a future full of eternal hope in the hearts of people all over the world. And then Someti, the Paralympic mascot. Uh, again, I know I'm, I maybe am getting pronouns wrong or whatever. I, I think of Someti as a she 
So there you go. Uh, she gets her name from the Japanese word somiyoshino, which is a popular variety of cherry blossom, which totally makes sense in her design because she's very pink, right? Uh, and her design also featured tactile cherry blossom sensors on the side of her face that provide enormous mental and physical strength. Um, also, according to Olympics.com, it represents Paralympic athletes who overcome obstacles and redefine the limits of what is possible. And yeah, let's face it. Sumeti is just plain cute when it comes down to it. So cute yeah. characters. Yeah, they and, and and again, like this is where as time goes on, some of the mascots, I think, do get cuter and more slick for what we're used to and what we enjoy as a current society. Right. But 50 years from now, people might look back and be like, oh, those things are hideous. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are some Olympic mascots that I'm like, whew, those are something. Yeah. So so let's do this. We're going to we're going to take a quick little break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the next ones on your list, which I think would fall into that category of not uh-huh. exactly the cutest. hundred <laughs> percent. I love to run, but there's nothing that demotivates me from a morning run more than a bad night's sleep. That's one of many reasons why I bought a Layla mattress. Layla is an out-of-the-box copper-infused foam mattress that comes straight to your door and conforms to whatever position you sleep in while keeping your body nice and cool. Each mattress is designed with a firm side and a soft side, so you can pick your favorite or switch it up like we do. Plus, their pillows are the best, heads down. See what I did there? Click the link in our show notes to learn more about Layla, because when you sleep better, you feel better. So I'm interested to hear you talk about this next one on the list, number five on the list, because (laughs) we really get to some roots of Olympic history, and I'm all about that. And we just kind of hinted that they're not exactly maybe the cutest mascot. So who do we have next? Yeah, uh, we have <laughs> Athena and Favos. And um, Athena might be kind of obvious that we are talking about the mascots for Athens 2004. And honestly, they're not cute. I mean, I'm just going to say, well, no, I'm not going to say what I really think, but they're not cute. These, <laughs> these do not fit into that category of like cutesy, adorable, whatever. Um, yeah. But when you learn about them and you learn about their history and why they were chosen, you're like, okay, this is a way to tie in the history of the Olympic games. And of course, now we have, this is in the time where we have the Olympic and Paralympic mascots that are kind of buddies and coming together. So I love the historical component, but let's be real. The only reason that they're on my list is because of the historical component. It's not because <laughs> I look it's, at them and get joy. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that anyone looks at them and gets joy. <laughs> and if you happen to be the designer that made these, I am so sorry. It's still better than anything I could come up with. But uh, it's creative. I'll say that. Yeah. 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 They're not cute, but they're symbolic. So tell us about it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So so Athena and Favos, they are a direct reference to Olympian gods from Greek mythology. So of course we talked about in 
some of our earliest episodes about the religious component of the Olympic Games meant to honor Zeus. Now, specifically here, we've got Athena, who is the goddess of wisdom and protector of the city of Athens. So that's a very logical choice, given the games were held in Athens. And then Phavos, uh, as it turns out, is a different name for Apollo, who was the god of light and music. Okay, so they were designed specifically to be a symbolic link between the ancient Olympic Games and the modern Olympic Games. And just like a lot of these others we've talked about so far, a competition was held for designing them. 196 proposals were submitted by design agencies and professionals. The winner was Spiros Gogos from the Greek design agency Paragraph Design located in Chicago. So it is kind of fun that um, even though they're in Chicago, we have a guy with Greek ancestry who was the winner of the competition. So that's fun. Now, kind of like their godly counterparts, Phavos and Athena are designed to be brother and sister. Okay, Uh, so for anyone who's ever seen a statue of Apollo or Athena, um, the strange shape of these mascots might throw you off because they don't look anything like the the Greek statues that maybe you've seen of the gods. Um, And that's because he based their design instead on terracotta dolls that are somewhat bell-shaped that have been found from the 7th century BC. Uh, And these are called Daidala. That's the name of the dolls. And you might recall that it was around 7th century BC when the ancient Olympic Games started up. So, again he went really deep into the history and finding these connections with their design and, um, you know, basing the design on these ancient terracotta dolls. It was meant to evoke the joy and fun of playing because of course these were children's toys (laughs) back then. And so it was also meant to reflect kind of that purity of games and play and the underlying values of Olympism. Um, Also, making them brother and sister was a deliberate choice to represent the unity of men and women through equality and brotherhood. Baron Pierre de Coubertin would be rolling (laughs) over that one. (laughs) So would so would the ancient Greeks who literally threw women off a cliff. That's true. So, you know, (laughs) that's fair. (laughs) We they got to update some things from history (laughs) now. Here's what I thought was a little interesting and kind of, uh, again, I'm being a little critical here, but Favos wears a blue tunic to represent both the sea and the color of the game's emblem, while Athena is dressed in orange to represent the sun and the Paralympic emblem. And I don't know, that seems a little backwards because I feel like shouldn't Favos slash Apollo be an orange if he's the god of light, but uh, whatever. Again, I'm being picky here. So in ancient Greece, uh, besides being children's toys, these Daidala dolls also had a religious and cultural function. And according to Olympics.com, before they got married, girls would sacrifice their doll and their dress to the gods for purity and fertility. So, yeah, a little little fun fact for you. Sarah, did you do any sacrifice? 
sacrifices of your dolls before you and Nick got married? <laughs> I did not. I sure did not. <laughs> well, then you're definitely not Greek, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I like that you included these on the list because, again, I don't think anyone would include Athena and Favos for their looks, but the history and the intentionality in the design is pretty cool. I, I thought so, too. I mean, clearly they're on the list, but definitely one that is there for symbolism. <laughs> yes. Um, and so we have some more symbolism happening with national significance in number four on your list. Who is that, Sarah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're kicking it in Los Angeles, 1984 with Sam the Eagle. And <laughs> if if you haven't, if you don't have a Sam the Eagle coming to your mind right now, you need to look <laughs> up a picture <laughs> because he is, he's very American And I mean, and the eagle is a national symbol for the United States, but I say he's very American in the sense that we, we can recognize and own the fact that yes, I am a proud American. Let me preface what I'm about to say with that. But when we travel overseas, we stick out. And a lot of times it's very obvious. And sometimes (laughs) we just kind of have like a uniform (laughs) that we wear when we travel overseas. Um, so as proud as I am to be an American, um, I also recognize that we can be a little bit obnoxious and Sam is cute. He's fun. He's adorable. He's patriotic, but he also seems a little, a little obnoxious in a way, but like in an endearing way. So people who love Sam, don't come at me. I'm like, I love this. I love the Eagles, but he's the Apollo Creed of Olympic mascots. Like, like straight up. And if you've been to the Olympic and Paralympic Museum, mm-hmm. there is a great Sam the Eagle to take a picture with. <laughs> I'll make sure to post my picture I have with Sam. <laughs> and and it should be said, too, we have to throw it out there as a pop culture reference. But Sam the Eagle should not be confused with Sam Eagle, the Muppets character. OK, they <laughs> they are two different (laughs) uh characters (laughs) but but both valuable in their own ways um so yeah so here's what i thought was interesting is i i did not know this until i was forced to read about sam the eagle by your list but originally the mascot for la 1984 was going to be a bear did you know this sarah do you know this story um i did not know it until preparing for this episode so yeah no this yeah. was brand new information. Yeah, it was new for me too. Uh, so for for those who might not be familiar, there is a bear on the flag of the state of California. So that was the initial idea is, hey, let's make a bear be the mascot. But the mascot for Moscow 1980 had also been a bear, Misha. And Misha had proved very, very popular as mascots go. And yeah, Misha was really cute. Like Misha almost made my list. Yeah, Misha's a cute mascot. Um, You know, less cute was the U.S. 1980 boycott (laughs) of of the Moscow games. So that's that that may or may not be part of the reason I didn't include Misha. Yeah, but Misha was cute. Just right. We weren't there. And I know Russia was not at Los Angeles We will talk about it eventually, I know, but Sam is still fun. 
yeah, or the the Soviet Union wasn't at Los yes. Angeles. So yes, you are um, correct. Soviet yeah. Union. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for <laughs> we'll, that. We'll keep those distinct because a lot of oh, uh, gosh. yeah, a lo- lot of different countries in in the Soviet <laughs> Union. Um, anyway, again, topic for another day. But uh-huh. but yeah, so suddenly the LA organizers realize, well, crap, we probably need to come up with something else. So who comes to the rescue? Walt Disney Studios. Um, now, and you'd like this. You, I do like this. <laughs> so we, you're you're welcome for giving yeah. you Sam on this list so that you can talk about Disney. Yeah, yeah, we we love Disney in our family, absolutely. So so yeah, so our friends at Disney were called up by the LA eighty four organizers to create a new mascot for the games, and thus was born Sam the Eagle. Okay, so uh, one of his primary creators was Bob Moore, who was also a primary designer for Donald Duck. So Bob, I guess he just had a special way with birds (laughs) between Donald and Sam. Now, this was interesting to me because I'd never heard this, and I don't remember reading this when we talked about the ancient games, but according to Olympics.com, Sam also pays tribute to the Bronze Eagle, which welcomed the winner of the stadium race when he crossed the finish line at the ancient Olympic Games. So I didn't know that that was a thing, that there was a a Bronze Eagle that faced the the finish line for, for the race. But there was also a cartoon that was made that featured Sam the Eagle and he was presented as a detective who used magic or the magic I should say of the five Olympic rings on his hat to get himself out of all kinds of situations which um, if someone can find that cartoon please let us know I will watch it it sounds like a stretch but I'll watch it that could that could be a watch party yeah the sam the eagle cartoon show watch party that's that's one of a kind right there all right who we got next (laughs) well these names are fun we have nagi and joggy (laughs) so so yeah these are mascots from the 1980 paralympics so i want to be clear these are not necessarily my favorite mascots but again kind of like our buddies in Athens in 2004, um, these mascots have a lot of significance because they are considered the first Paralympic mascots. Mm -hmm. And again, we love it when historically we see that the Paralympics finally start getting more recognition and about time that they have a mascot of their own. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, so we're going to talk about the Soviet Union again for a second with these two, because in 1980, when the Olympic Games were held in Moscow, uh, the Soviet Union declined to also host the Paralympic Games. Uh, It's a whole other story that we will get into (laughs) eventually, Mm -hmm. I promise. Uh But yeah, uh, it's it's not great. Um, But anyway. Uh, Arnhem in the Netherlands came to the rescue and said, hey, we would love to host the Paralympics. And yeah, so that made Nagi and Joggy the first Paralympic mascots, even though um, it wouldn't be until 1988 that there would be corresponding Olympic and Paralympic mascots, kind of like what we're used to today. And uh, they're a pair of squirrels, and they were designed as part of a Dutch radio contest. 
There you go. We got a contest again. And they were designed by Neki Oprinson. They look identical to me when I see pictures of them. Uh, and they're wearing a shirt displaying the logo of the games. Uh, and they also give me a little bit of a Chippendale vibe, except squirrels instead of chipmunks. But I actually had not heard of these two at all before you threw them on the list. I mean, I'll like I'll be honest that I did a little bit of digging to find them yeah. and put them on the list. Like they didn't come straight to my mind, but I feel like they warranted inclusion. So, yeah, for sure. All right, let's go ahead and get to number two on the list. Who we got? Okay, so number two on the list. Um, I do think that these little guys, maybe I shouldn't call them guys, these little mascots are <laughs> cute and wonderful and adorable and precious. Um, and again, we should just have a clicker counting every time I say adorable. I'm fully aware of that. Um, but we are in 2018 and in Pyeongchang the South Korean Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I have um, Su-Rung and Bandabi on the list. And I fully admit the bias to that is that I was at the event in 2017 for the 100-day countdown to mm -hmm. the Pyeongchang Olympics. And um, I just have really fond memories of that experience and getting <laughs> to meet the mascots. And they were, they were just fun and walking around and ran into them a few times and not that um, I'm like a child with a mascot, but it was very exciting <laughs> to take pictures with them. Um, <laughs> and again, that was just a very special experience and um, not to get into like too much of a rabbit trail, but that was when I was Team USA's number one fan. So there were just a lot of cool, special memories of a lifetime that were made that day. So they will always, these mascots will always hold a special place in my heart. And it was also very apparent that they were a joint pair, which Olympic mm. Paralympic, the mascots being a pair. I obviously appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to see them side by side. I agree. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So if you, uh, if you don't remember what they look like, if 2018 is just too far back for you, um, <laughs> uh, Surong is designed to look uh, like a white tiger, which has long been considered the guardian animal of Korea. And I think that's pretty cool. And according to Olympics.com, uh, Surong not only has a challenging spirit and passion, but is also a trustworthy friend who protects the athletes spectators and all the participants of the Olympic Games. Uh, like we've seen with a lot of these names, it does derive from uh, some special meaning in Korean. So Suho means protection and Rung comes from the middle letter of Horangi, which is the Korean word for tiger. So there you go. And then uh, Bendabi is an Asiatic black bear, which is symbolic of strong will and courage and is also the symbolic animal of Gangwon province in South Korea. Uh, similar with Bandabi's name, Banda comes from Bandal, meaning half moon, referring to the white crescent that you can find on the chest of the Asiatic black bear. And uh, B has the meaning of celebration, and celebrating specifically the Paralympic Games. So, uh, yeah, they're, again... As far as cute mascots go, they definitely rank high. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, cute. And, and 
it's also nice that they're not like over the top either. And then yeah. are you are you ready for my number one? Yeah, let's let's get into who made number one on Sarah's mascot list. <laughs> okay, well, as a 90s kid mm-hmm. in the United States, there was no stinking way that my number one would not be Izzy. Um, and if you don't know who Izzy is, Izzy is a weird looking little creature. Um, He is blue. He has these really cool lightning bolts for his eyebrows and um, he carries a torch with him. Yeah. He, he was cool. He was cool. Um, If he showed up now, like if I saw this mascot in 2022, I'd probably roll my eyes and be like, what is that? But as a child, Oh, I loved Izzy. I remember drawing <laughs> Izzy on my school papers, which if that's did. not on, I know if that's not, it didn't say I drew it well, but if that's not on brand for me, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 1996 was a huge thing for a lot of us 90s kids growing up in America. Um because it was my first distinct memory of the Olympics. I mean, yeah, I re- yeah. kind of remember Barcelona and whatnot, but 96, it was exciting. So Izzy, I'm I'm dating myself, but I played a Super <laughs> Nintendo Izzy game that I got for Christmas. Um, that was my favorite game. I mean, I just... Yeah, I, I think I had like Izzy playing cards at one point oh and gosh. I'm sure all of, I know, I'm sure that all of this stuff is in a box at my parents' house. Izzy <laughs> was really cool with representation and mm-hmm. <laughs> like in terms of uh, the the Olympic representation of right. like kind of the symbolism, but I'll let you elaborate on that. Sure. And then, yeah, I also, in case... She's listening. I want to give a shout out to um, a friend named Claire and she, her screen name online is like the cauldron. She's also a friend of flame alive. If you Mm -hmm. ever listen to the flame alive podcast, uh, sorry, keep the flame alive for the full name. But, um, but Claire recently posted a picture and she did this a few years ago. She actually dressed up as Izzy for Halloween. Um, And it, and it was an incredible costume. I think it's a brilliant idea. I'll never be able to top it. So (laughs) I know for many of us 90s kids, the love of Izzy is still going strong. (laughs) (laughs) There's yeah, there's a strong nostalgia factor there. And and yeah, I remember Izzy, too. I I did not have the levels of fanaticism that you had (laughs) for Izzy, but I do remember Izzy being a big deal and people talking a lot about Izzy. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about <laughs> Izzy. Uh, so, <laughs> so he was created by John Ryan of Design Effects. And originally, Izzy's name was What Is It? Because unlike some of the other mascots that had existed up to this point, Izzy stood out as a bit unusual because... He's not an animal. He's not a human figure. Um, Not even necessarily a conceivable object. And so there was this question of, okay, well then what is he? Right? Uh, So that name of Izzy was chosen by 32 American elementary age children from the following five potential names. So here's what Izzy could have been called instead. Kirby. 
stars, Zach, Gleamer, and then, of course, they obviously went with the best one, which was Izzy. Like, those others, I don't even know why they're on, <laughs> were in consideration. Well, and Kirby, <laughs> Kirby, isn't that like a Mario thing, too? I, I don't know. Like, Kirby, yeah, there was a Kirby, um, yeah, some kind of video game character. Um, yeah, I didn't play other video games. I only played you only the Izzy. The Izzy video <laughs> so. game. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was after. So those five names were after narrowing it down from thirty three hundred name suggestions <laughs> sent in by kids from 16 different nations. So, yeah, so they, they had thirty three hundred names, narrowed it down to those five, and then they landed on Izzy, which, again, is the best name. Um, and according to Olympics.com, uh, a product of information technology Izzy is blue and wears training shoes. The five Olympic rings are in various places around his body. After the closing ceremony of the 1992 Games in Barcelona, where he received a mixed reception when first presented, What Is It was, redes was redesigned and renamed by the children of Atlanta. Over time, a mouth appeared where there had first been only lips. Stars appeared in his eyes and his initially skinny legs became more muscled. Finally, a nose grew in the middle of his face. So, uh, so Sarah, apparently uh, Izzy had a little bit of uh, work done on him uh, after his debut. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Poor guy, just, you know, people were critical of his appearance, and he felt the need to change himself. That's just so sad. So, but, uh, <laughs> but, but we love them. We love them. It's love fine. Him. We'll take you as you are, Izzy. Yeah. Also, um, here's another fun fact. So, you know, we talked about the little cartoon movie that got, that got made of Sam the Eagle. Well, apparently there was also a 30 minute educational cartoon about Izzy that was broadcast on the Cartoon Network channel, uh, RIP, because uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, during Wait, the fall, it doesn't. It, it <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It just recently closed down. Yeah, like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, That's like sad. a couple weeks ago, um, as of this recording. Anyway, oh. uh, so so yeah, oh. so Cartoon Network had this little thirty-minute cartoon of Izzy screen during the fall of nineteen ninety-five, and in the cartoon, Izzy had to win the five Olympic rings in order to get to the Olympic Games. So. Again, if we can track that down and watch it, we can have a, a double feature of Izzy and Sam the Eagle cartoons. <laughs> oh, if I find this, my child will be watching this. I don't care if he <laughs> likes it or not. He he will be watching it. Like, Izzy might scare him. I don't care. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, so there is Sarah's top 10 list. So I'm interested in what the Paris 2024 mascot will be, which again, you know, this episode's coming out on the 15th. When did you say they're making their announcement? So I believe that they're going to announce it on the 14th. So it's kind of, oh, okay. yeah, serendipitous that we're doing this today. Yeah, good um, timing. That was not originally <laughs> our plan, but no. we'll run with it. Um, yeah. So mascots will be all the rage in the Olympic and Paralympic fan communities for a little bit. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, we recognize that you may have your own favorite mascots. We'd love to hear about who or what 
<laughs> those are. Um, you, know, you know, even though I'm not a huge mascot fan, I'm a little partial, uh, Sarah, to the the Nagano uh, uh-huh. mascots. You know, the, I, I don't know their names. I considered them. The, yeah, the cute little birds. You know, I remember yeah. those being a big deal, too. Uh, anyway, that's conversation for another day. But uh, so maybe one day we'll need to do a follow up mascot episode. I know. Um, or like favorite um like summer mascots and then favorite winter mascots oh, yeah, i don't know just, yeah break it up a little bit we'll we'll see we'll 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 ponder that for a while okay uh but if you enjoyed this episode and we really hope you did then come back next time when we do head to germany for the fourth winter olympiad in garmisch partenkirchen in 1936. I know we said that last time and we didn't do it, but I promise we are going to do it on the next episode. (laughs) But until then, Odyssey later. The Games Odyssey podcast is a production of Wardrobe Media LLC. This episode was written, hosted, produced, and edited by Jonathan Jordan and co-hosted by Sarah Patton. Show notes, including research sources and transcripts, can be found on our website, gamesodyssey.com. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Games Odyssey podcast is strictly for informational, commentary, and educational purposes. The Games Odyssey podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC and is not sponsored, endorsed, or officially affiliated with the USOPC or the International Olympic Committee or International Paralympic Committee. The content of Games Odyssey podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content feature in the Games Odyssey podcast is accurate.